called education. What I call soul craft, which is the shaping of the kind of human being we choose to be, given the fact we're all born in circumstances not of our own choosing, but can still make choices in such a way that there can be a little bit more courage and vision, service to the vulnerable in the world when the worm gets our bodies. Welcome to the first episode of The Esoteric Negro. We are excited to share these episodes with you. With each guest, we are doing our best to explore the esoteric while also reflecting the current time that we live in. Our first guest is Oko Carter, a writer and a friend living in Los Angeles, California. Oko is a fixture in the LA art scene, and he has an in-depth knowledge of Black literature. In this episode, we discuss Brother to Brother, a collection of now classic literary work by Black gay male writers that tell the stories of how race and sexuality intersect. Brother to Brother is currently out of print, and it's our intention to give some shine to the legacies of Joseph Beam and Essex Hemphill, who were instrumental in the creating and the publishing of Brother to Brother. And now please welcome Oko Carter. The entire point of this was to give people shine that necessarily haven't gotten shine, because now in the conversation, everyone's talking about James James Baldwin, Audre Lorde, um, Octavia Butler. Mm -hmm. Now all these, you know, uh, writers are being mentioned. Right. And when you mentioned these two names, I had no idea who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found interesting after you told me about this anthology, and then when I, like, I hadn't ordered the book yet, I ended up <coughs> just trying to Google Essex Hemphill and Joseph yes. Beam. There was maybe, four, you know, like the poetry right. uh, resources that are normally online. A Wikipedia page and mm-hmm. a couple of you know little blurbs uh, for Black History Month. Right, and there wasn't really much else, but, but you know anything else. And but the thing that really sparked my interest and and moved me was watching Essex perform his poetry on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he definitely gave me. I was talking to Scott about this. Like he reminded me reminded me a lot of Gil Scott. Yes, his delivery. Yes, his. Uh, not just conviction, but his def- he was defiant mm-hmm. and refused to be ashamed of his sexuality during one of the most, I think, during that time was one of the most, you know, um, polarizing times to be right. a gay man. And not only that, right. gay black man. Right. And, uh, you know, for some reason, I, w- I was telling you, we were talking about this a second ago, in the, in the book... There are some references to there's a there's been maybe a history of trying to conceal a lot of uh, LGBT folks in academia and right. the contributions of black writers and kind of keeping their sexuality a secret because obviously, you know, um, it, it, you know, for respectability politics or whatever it is, you know, we're already black. Right. We don't want to. Um, <clears throat> we don't want to say that our greatest intellectuals are also, you know what I mean? Like gay, you know what I mean? And that's a, that's a tough, a tough thing to, to kind of accept, you know, like right now, Mm -hmm. I'm sure back then it was even tougher, but for me, it was kind of an emotional journey through this. And also there being, there, there's so much honesty in brother to brother that, I mean, yeah, there was, there was moments of crying. Yeah. Yeah, But so tell me why, Essex and Joseph Beam, like what, how'd you, how did you get introduced to them? And tell me, 
why this is an important book to you as a writer and as you know an african-american mm-hmm. and gay and just mm-hmm. tell me why you know why these guys are important to you well i came about it i believe in like 2014 i was like 24 mm-hmm. and i don't even remember how i came about it i think i was just surfing the web mm-hmm. tumblr days i assume and i think someone quoted essence and i said hmm and then I believe I was reading something and somehow I got connected to the brother to brother, like a reference. Right. So when I heard that it was this anthology mm-hmm. out there, yeah. I said, hmm, I think I want to um, I want to get into that. Yeah. So I went on Amazon. I ordered it. And well, for me, I also knew that. These were men who, even without knowing what I was going to get into, just from the little excerpts that I had read of Essence, I knew that these were men who spoke the inner thoughts that I had. Mm. Yeah. And when you find, no matter what or who you are, when you find that Thing, when you read that literature that speaks that, that inner connects thoughts, to you, that your inner thoughts, yeah, the things that you don't say to anyone, yeah, but you testify yeah. on the inside, yeah, you you say, oh, I got to read that. You, the isolation doesn't yes. feel as of course is, is, isn't hit as hard because you feel like they're okay, they get me. Of course, and right. I can remember years ago, even before all of this, someone had said to me when I was just a good old church boy who had inner thoughts mm-hmm. that I was going to be that I felt like I was going to grapple with for the rest of my life. I didn't think I would suffer with the inner thoughts mm-hmm. that I could not name, but I did think yeah. that these were thoughts that, based upon what I believed in, that I had to just keep to myself. Right. And I had someone, ironically, a church member, who said to me, uh, have you ever heard of James Baldwin? Mm. And I didn't know what the name meant. I didn't know who he was. Right. And it took me, this was maybe 2004, so it took me up until 2000. 10 before I really knew right. who James Baldwin was. Right, because you see his lectures, you see, you his, see lectures, his debates. You see his debates, you you hear the references, right. but you just don't know. Yeah. And I vividly remember just picking up the books mm-hmm. and talking about him. Right. So back to Brother to Brother, the excerpt that I had saw from Essence, I think the poem, Yeah. it was inner thoughts mm-hmm. that I was seeing on paper for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I got to get this. Yeah. So I bought it and it blew my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. It blew my mind in a way that I can't even, I remember finishing it thinking, oh, these are my ancestors. Yeah. I remember yeah. thinking that these are the people who I, uh, I don't know them. Yeah. Uh, I've never met them, but I come from them. Right. I knew even without ever reading too much, I've read a lot now, but I knew even back then that these were men who I was a product of. Right. Because you can be a product of something yeah. and not even know what the genesis is. Yeah. 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 And that was huge for me. And that's what this book has meant. Right. It's, yeah. I, I think that uh, we, you know, everybody is talking about now how representation is important. Mm-hmm. But it's also important when you are an other in an other, yes, to have that representation and to know that you have a cultural lineage within your own yes. cultural 
Like, yes. you know, like the Russian doll thing. There's, right. You know what I mean? And it, I'm sure it's reaffirming, especially being in that environment. I mean, we probably grew up very similar, mm-hmm. you know, similar circumstances where, mm-hmm. you know, you do have those inner thoughts. I had inner thoughts all the time about, you know, just my belief system. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I felt there were days where I felt more about my interest as far as poetry and stuff like right. that. That just really doesn't like align with whatever you've been taught. Right. 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 And it, then you start to realize you're like, I just want, I want to be feel good yeah and feel good about who i am and right. there yes. are people that you know open that you find along the way that you find okay this is my tribe and then i do have that yeah like a genesis you do have a cultural mm-hmm. lineage um and i feel like what a, what a perfect time to um kind of think about that at, like right now in this moment where it's you know, it's the time to, you know, speak up about it and be interested in it and reintroduce, reintroduce um, people to, you know, Joseph and uh, Essex Hemphill if we can, Essex if we can. This book is, to me, is kind of like a time capsule almost. It now. is. It is, you it, know. Yes, it feels, you know what, it feels almost kind of biblical. Yeah. It feels like you're reading the yeah. Bible. Yes. Now, <laughs> when you turn the pages... <laughs> you realize I don't know what Bible you reading, yeah. but yeah. when you are, uh, yeah, when you're when you look on it, yeah, no matter what, especially depending upon where you come from right. or where you stand at while reading it and who you are, uh, I found that it feels like a to your point a time capsule, but it also feels biblical. Like it's such a time capsule that. Even though it's present, it's very dated. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I actually love that. Because it makes you, it feels like a learning, it feels mm-hmm. like a syllabus. It does. It is. Yeah. I could definitely say that. And Essex could be almost like a, like a Moses John the Baptist. Yes. Yes. He feels like one. Unashamed. And very, you know, outspoken about his convictions about who he is. Right. And who, and also, also like leaving because of, you know, the... HIV AIDS and also like he I feel like they both knew they had a certain amount of time and they had yeah. to like yeah leave a found leave a, a roadmap for you or you know a bio right. right um so speaking of his poetry mm-hmm. SS6 poetry you mentioned um that you liked his poetry and some of his poems stood out to you right. um I think commitments you were talking a second ago about growing up Mm-hmm. super religious and kind of like you know having those hidden thoughts i think that poem for me and after i read it like i, I teared up because yeah. i i feel you could feel if you grew up in that environment you know what it's like to feel like i can be everything for everyone except myself yes and be okay with it and be okay with it and not to talk about it and mm-hmm. especially when you and i think people don't realize like being in a in a black community in a black home for the most part, especially everything is about your family and being together. Right. And, you know, feeling like an outsider in that situation, it's hard. It wouldn't hard. It would be hard not to be depressed. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Can I read a yeah, line? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, that I thought was just very good. He says, my arms are empty or around the shoulders of unsuspecting aunts expecting to throw rights at me someday. Yeah. And I thought that... As a queer black man, how sad that sentence is, but how yeah. truthful it is. Yeah. 
because he knew his place, but he also knew what he was expected to be. Because he could have just said my arms are empty or around the shoulders of unsuspecting aunts and ended it. But the part that stood out to me was expecting to, to throw rice at me someday. And that was what he grappled with. Yeah. He knew that even though he was the uncle, the childless brother, he also knew that outside forces or a family expectation was he was expected to still be something that he was not. Yes. And for a lot of people, that's a, that's hard to have to grapple with and to accept. Yes. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't, I can't say that it's a, as I read it, in 2020 and based upon who I am today, it doesn't make me sad because I look back on that and I can read it and know that, well, hey, it's not me. And I know that there are so many other people that this is not their lives. Right. And I say this is not their lives because even if it's not your family, you can find a tribe. Mm -hmm. you, can, you, you can be brother to brother. Yes. Shoulder to shoulder yeah. with anyone. Yeah. So... But because this is a time capsule, at this time, mm -hmm. it's a crushing, crushing um, uh, right. line. For me, it was. Right, right. Um, so in uh, American Wedding, he kind of does like a critique of, it's kind of like commitments is his expression of how he feels with him. But then American Wedding is almost kind of like, I'm loving. Yeah you know, I don't care. Right. <laughs> like, I'm just letting out. This is like, I have the right to express that. Right. Um, and I, I'm going to talk about, you know, how I feel when I'm with the person mm -hmm. that I love. And, it, you know, he was well within his rights to do that. And then to, to do it at a time where, you know, I guess what these guys were, James Baldwin died in, I think, 87. 80, yeah, 87. 87. December of 87. And these guys had kind of come along right, like you said, like right after. Yes. And they, they had made, had made a conscious decision to be out um and i think in particular in that poem like he is he is like he the commitments is like again like i said the expression of it is it is it was sad to me and then american wedding was like his defined like the defined essex that we see on youtube right and the clips and stuff like that you sent me a screenshot or you sent me an excerpt from the yes. forward he wrote for the book yes. that you wanted to talk about. I do want to talk about that. And um, I read that, and that was super powerful as well. And I feel like that is a good example of Essex, his personality, yes. or the stance he took. Yes. Uh, should I read it? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. And it's just, I want to read a couple, the paragraphs that I thought was just powerful. He says, for my so-called sins against nature and the race, I gained the bird of some knowledge of carnal secrets. It rivals rituals of sacrifice and worship and conjures the same glassy-eyed results with less bloodshed, a knowledge disquieting and liberating inhabits my soul. It often comforts me or at times is miserably intoxicating with requisite hangovers and regrets. At other moments, it is sacred communion, causing me to moan and tremble and cuss as the Holy Ghost fucks me. It is a knowledge of fire and beauty that I will carry beyond the grave. When I sit in God's final judgment, I will wager this knowledge against my entrance into the holy kingdom. 
There was no other way for me to know the beauty of earth except through the sexual love of men, mm -hmm. men who were often more terrified than I, even as they posed before me behind flimsy constructions of manhood, mocking me with muscles, erections, and wives. And I read that and I felt like <laughs> Essence was standing before God, hands up, pockets empty, yeah. flat-footed, and saying, this is who I am. Yeah. And what freedom, what freedom that is as a person yeah. is something incredibly powerful to be able to say to your maker, whatever that is or whoever that is, mm -hmm. that there was no other way. Yeah. How powerful is that? There's no other way to exist but to be. There was no other way. Yeah. I aim to be that free one day. Me too. Yeah. I aim. And I say aim because I ain't there. Me either. <laughs> Me either. I'm trying. I'm getting there. <laughs> I don't either. know if I can stand before yeah. Jesus and say, ooh, yeah. there was no other way, honey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. It's I, true. There was no other way. I wasn't sure about this, but, you know, hey. I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are some things yeah. that I've done that I will yeah. say, you know what? Uh, I could have I I, I left that one alone. Yeah. Yeah. That person, I should not have messed with. Right, yeah. Uh, so I thought that that was just a beautiful uh, intro. One other, I just want to read, can I read another no, paragraph course, yeah. to it? And it was just the following paragraph that I think is just the most beautiful to that. Mm -hmm. He said, I discovered any man can be seduced, even if the price is humiliation or death for the seducer. Late nights and desperate hours teach us to approach loneliness unarmed or we risk provoking it to torture us with endless living sorrows we believe only the dead can endure. Mm. And I believe that that, that is the truth for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I mean, that's so the truth that I can't even quite express how truthful it is. I just think that that's something that just has to sit with you within yourself. Right. Because you do learn that Late nights and desperate hours teach us to approach loneliness unarmed. Mm -hmm. Because the difference between Jimmy Baldwin and Langston Hughes and County Cullen, mm -hmm. these were men who, and we'll get further into the book where they discuss this, these are men who, racism was the most prevalent thing. Because yeah. that's what being gay is. You stand at an intersect. Yeah. You are living at an intersect where just as much as you are queer, you are also black. Yes. And just as much as you are queer, you are also desperately, just from the color of your skin, trying to survive. Yes. So I believe that for Langston and for, and for even James, because James was such a beautiful writer that James could not be vulgar. Yeah. And I've read so many of his novels, Another Country, Giovanni's Room, mm -hmm. Just Above My Head is my favorite James Baldwin's novel. But all of them, I leave there with this sense of, huh, Jimmy, say dick. Exactly. <laughs> say something. Tell the people. Tell them, tell, 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 yeah, exactly. Be yeah. vulgar for a moment. Exactly. And like, cut off, you don't always got to be so punctual. Because yeah. he was beautiful with punctuation. Yes. He was beautiful with a sentence. Yeah. He was just, just eloquent. Yeah. When we get to this generation, these were men who had learned through, also, they had lived through the 
through the sexual gay liberation 70s. Yes. So these were men that had found what cruising meant. Yes. Jimmy maybe cruised, but mm. Jimmy wasn't openly cruising. Oh, no. Oh, no. Essex and these men in the 70s and early 80s, yes. they openly were able to go down. There was, and yes. And see other people. Yes. And even get a community and talk about it. I don't know if James Baldwin or And there was a group. There was definitely a group here. Like, a, they had a collective. Yes. Yes. And what I like about Joseph Beam and all that, they were also supportive of, the, you know, black lesbians. They were. Joseph was, yes, Barbara Smith, Audre Lorde. They, yeah. were, they were very yeah. close friends. Joseph was very close friends with Barbara and Audrey, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's really. He was very pro-feminist when a lot of gay, gay men, men were, were not. not. Exactly. James Baldwin in particular. Yeah. He wasn't. He was a good friend. Yeah. I mean, if you hear Maya Angelou talk about him, if you listen, if you read the obituary that uh, the that uh, Toni Morrison wrote in the New York Times the day after James Baldwin died, I always find it that um, I think it's one of the most beautiful obituaries anyone can say about a friend. Right. Toni literally says, and there's a line where she says, you've tamed wilderness for me. Yeah, wow. What a sentence yeah. to be able to say about a friend. Right. She said, you knew how much I needed your love. Yes. But with that being said, when you watch the clips, and I've been seeing them resurface, resurface. during all of this Black right. Lives Matter, when you watch Jimmy with uh, Audrey or him with Nikki Giovanni, Giovanni that's just a clip. I didn't even know. see that there, were, there was a chasm there. Yeah. And I believe Joseph and Essence did not have that chasm. Yeah. No. They could see that a black woman outside of being being just the bottom in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. They also knew that not only was the white man her monster and sometimes the white woman an accomplice. Yeah. These Essence and Joseph also knew that the black man could also more than likely be an oppressor of the black woman. Yes. And that was hard truth. That's what Jimmy couldn't quite see or say. Right. He was too smart to not know it. I think yeah. he just couldn't say it. He just couldn't say so it. So that's what I liked about it. I, I agree with yeah. you. I think that Joseph and them were able to be a little more, uh, they were pro-feminist. Yeah. yeah. And, and that happened. And people don't realize that there are groups that of people that just don't, it's not always like this kumbaya between mm -hmm. different, you know, with the groups of their otherness. Right. You know what I mean? There right. isn't always that, you know, especially, you know, even I know that with even the white gay men, you know, mm -hmm. and we watched um, this documentary about the AIDS crisis, and I was thinking, mm, I said, what if it hadn't? I had this thought, I was like, what if it hadn't affected just, what if it was just affecting black people, this illness? Right. During that time, like, what would have happened? Right. You know, would it have gotten the, I mean, it was still like horrific for everyone. Right. But I had that thought, I was like, wow, like, what if it was just poor people? Like, and, you know, and I know that question was raised in the documentary, but I really started to think about that. But then, you know, I think that everything happens for a reason. And um, I know that's something that I wouldn't, we're kind of, kind of almost, you know, dealing with another epidemic in a totally different way. But it's, it's given this, it's given people a pause, I think, mm -hmm. but it's giving everyone a pause to kind right. of think about stuff. And that's, you know, kind of off topic, and but I don't really, you know, I just, but people need to understand that you know, there may, you know, sometimes black women do feel like nobody really shows up for us the way yes. we show up for them. Yes. And I thought that was important to say that he was mm -hmm. incredibly, you know, really pro. 
Right. You know, especially like black lesbians. Right, Barbara Smith. And I think black women, uh, I think because black women showed up for him, Joseph Bean, I believe that, um, that to your point about even with the AIDS and what if it only affected black people, I believe that, listen, I mean, the AIDS crisis hit at South Central different than it did Beverly Hills and West Hollywood. Oh, for sure. Oh, yes. So it, yeah. it was still different. Right. And I believe that we're still seeing, mm-hmm. like, I, I could be wrong with numbers, but I believe that in the South, like, the biggest statistic of those with HIV AIDS today are black women, black men. Men, of course, yes. So to your point, that, that is still there. That it is. It is. It, it was, uh, yeah, that's an issue that we've seen manifest. Right. And I think that now that we have time, it's easy to kind of go look, to look back at that, look like where it started. Like you said, this is like a genesis. It is. And it makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense. But I mean, to be, again, the bravery it took for Essex to write these things down and to be so interesting, like he definitely had like such a powerful um, spirit and, you know, he just had an unwillingness to like compromise, you know. I think, or maybe he did, and like, and he just was like, "No, right. I'm not doing it anymore." And kudos to Joseph's mother because I do love how he mentioned in the intro that Joseph's mother was very, very big help- and yes. helpful. The father, yeah, because Joseph died at uh, thirty-three years old. Yeah, thirty-three. Yeah, I mean, when you, I'm thirty years old. Yeah, uh, Essex died in 1995, I believe. I think he, he was like 38. 38, yeah. Uh, he wrote this intro at 30 mm-hmm. exactly I believe August of 1990 mm-hmm. uh, we're now in August of 2020 I turned 30 yeah. this year so these numbers I've there is a, a, still a sense of my ancestor Yeah, because I can imagine you can write an intro at 30 years old you can you've been through some things Yes, you've had some things happen where you can say this is what the truth is Yes, and I feel like he, he did a good job and the most beautiful tribute you can do to your friend. I mean, what a what a beautiful tribute to con- complete an, an assignment that you had not intended to. Because mm-hmm. he was he he did it because Joseph just didn't live to see it. Right. He didn't live to do it. I uh, there is. Uh, I think Joseph wrote "Looking for Langston." Yes. And um, yes, the piece about. James Baldwin. I love that piece. And I'm curious to know what you think about what he was saying about the need to kind of conceal their sexuality, kind of to kind of preserve their legacies. He felt like that kind of what that's what he was saying. Yes. You know. Yeah, I felt like it definitely with uh, looking for Langston. Yes. But you know, I the looking for Langston one was interesting because. In my head, and maybe because we're just, this was 30 plus years ago, all of this now. Mm. In my head, it, or from what I've researched, Langston is now synonymous with queer. Yes. So it's interesting how in these 30 years, whoever that estate is, they clearly done dropped the ball. Because <laughs> exactly. the people believe well, that Langston, the cat is out the, <laughs> the, the bed, yeah. Langston was a queen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's true. It is out the bag. <laughs> so, 
gangster. Yeah, that, I mean, yes, yes. Now it's not the, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if they all died and they, they just did. said this like, battle was not Like they had to wait for the right death strip to just say it. Yes, yeah, maybe exactly. like this battle is not mine. Yeah. So I have to just let this one go. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, I, that's what was it, and that's why I say it's a time capsule. Right. Because now that we know what we know and where we are as a, as a society, right. hearing fights about Langston Hughes or trying to uphold an image is just strange to me. Yeah, it is a time Because it's like, well, you, 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 guys, you guys let it yeah. go because anytime I know he's on all the LGBTQ lists. Yeah. Every Pride Month, the black people say, yeah. don't forget Langston. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's exactly. at the top of the list. Actually, I was hearing hearing like rumors that Jesse Smollett yeah. was going to play Langston. Well, I hope. I mean, I don't I think that's going to happen. Doesn't, it's not definitely going to happen. <laughs> Somebody that's will. It's not going to happen. Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was going to say that you know, there's that essay also in there where they talk about where we get an excerpt from Little Richard telling a story. Yes. About what it was like growing up in the South and yes. being gay, and yes. also like that's now. Like I, I always thought that, but now I guess people are comfortable saying it when he passed away recently, right? You know, as well. But I mean, now there's no need to. It seems like now the need to rewrite all that, and it, it is like being a reintroduction, right, to everyone, to all these people, you and, know. And yes, and Little Richard. I mean, what a what a beautiful what a beautiful man. Now yeah. I find Little Richard's story a little interesting because it was to be that free. I mean, because I think the word was. Uh, the lyrics originally to Tutti Fruity was Tutti Fruity Good Booty. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so Richard was telling Proverbs Ex- in 1953. Exactly. However, by the end of his life, we, we were seeing videos of him back in Georgia in a suit and kind of denouncing homosexuality. Well, because he got saved again, which he is got a saved lot of again, people yeah. because of addiction or whatever reason. And, and trauma. Just a how, and trauma and how they grew yeah. up. And there is, and the thing is, you know, not to get off topic, because we're yeah, talking yeah. about we're talking about like several things. There is that fear of straying too. I know you've had it. Yeah. Of going too far from what you've learned and grown up. Of course, with, of course. And going out into the unknown and not being able, because they're always that. You know, there's always that fear that they kind of put in you. Like, if you go too far, you won't be able to come back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? As far as your belief system. I've had that fear with this. Yes. I've had days leading up to this where I thought, oh, if I tell. The whole truth. <laughs> the whole truth. <laughs> I don't know what the people are gonna say. Same, you know. I'm uh, doing. I, yeah. Same. And I think that that's 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 the freeing thing is is that right. if you're not willing to stand in front of fear, yeah, and step forward, then what's the point? Right. Uh, but I do think that uh, that with Little Richard in particular, I believe that a couple things, and this is, and I'm interested in like how you look at it. I feel like we SS, I didn't get trauma from him. Mm-mm. I got a man who. He knew how society looked at him. He knew that a lethal disease was killing all his friends and lovers. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get this trauma where... Now, there are stories in here that it's just mm-hmm. true trauma. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that with Essex. Mm-hmm. Or even Joseph. And Joseph's parents don't, don't sound like they gave him any trauma. Because Essex knew what he was experiencing was truth and love right. and like the real thing. And there was no, he figured out there was nothing to be ashamed Right. Of. Little Richard, though, on the other hand, yeah. always talked about how physically abusive his father yeah, was so yeah. it doesn't make sense that yeah. when something is beat into you right if you don't do the real work on the inside where you so turn hard. that beating into some type of overcoming it mm-hmm. i feel like you may return to it yeah you and make I, the art but yeah you, you make it and then you come back, back to it yeah of course. you come back because yeah 
I don't know if he had worked through it. Yeah, we've seen. I mean, that happened. I mean, honestly, that happened to. I mean, we can get into this very quick. That happened to a lot of artists, straight. You know, right? You know that went and eventually went back to. Uh, but um, in the James Baldwin though, I'm not a bad legacy brother. What I just found interesting was the like the last paragraph where Joseph talks about how he was in the crowded room meeting yes. Baldwin. Yeah. And he said, I watched him pat beads of perspiration from his forehead with the flourish only a true diva could muster. <laughs> he was a diva, yet up yeah. close he seemed quite fragile, having paid the price of the ticket for being arrogant, articulate, mm. and black. Yes. And I thought that that was such a um, such a fascinating, honest, and kind of searing critique yeah. of Baldwin. Because... I'm sure you, we both live here in LA and I, I, and I ain't going to say their names because we don't know who listened to the podcast, yeah. but <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have uh, met people who were writers or actors who were kind of people that I really like and up close. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, he tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she a little tired mm-hmm. or she's paying the price of the ticket. Yeah. And what that does to you as a as a fan, as a fan, and to see that those people up close and to realize, I mean, some of them are amazing, and some of them yes, are they like, are, Ooh. yes, they are, and you yeah. and you have to within yourself, you have to uh, like appreciate the art, appreciate the art, and also know that it makes them human. Yeah, and I think that that made Jimmy very human in that moment. Yes, because clearly now. In context, because this probably was around '86, I think when, when uh, Essence, when uh, not Essence, when Joseph wrote this and when he met him, mm-hmm. Jimmy died because he says that James Baldwin lived 63 years. Yes. Uh, and James died in '87. Essex died in '88. So this was all right behind, behind each, each other. other. Right. But it was, it was interesting to me to hear him, um, to hear him. Say say that because I think that just as much as, yeah, he was fragile, but he did die of cancer. Yes. And I don't know if, as, uh, if Joseph even knew that mm-hmm. when he wrote this. Right. So the fragile could... He was sick. He was sick. Yes. He had paid the price of the ticket, yeah. but he also was a sick man. Yeah. And so was Joseph. Right. Right. And Yeah, and he... And I think that there was no... Was it... I don't think... Was there AZT at the time, or was he taking treatments at the no, time? No, I don't think so. I don't think that he lived to that. I don't think he lived to see that. They were giving people at that time two years, right? Or right. So many months. Right. They were still trying to figure out. Right. You know. Now. What, who, they're trying to figure out right. the virus itself. Now, I'm sure Essex maybe. I don't know, but. Yeah. Joseph right. died. I mean, when you look at, yeah. he died in 1988. That was yeah. that was still kind of the, those were ugly years. The ugly years, yeah. Joseph didn't, I mean, Essex didn't die until 1990. Five. Five, yeah. So that's he did live a good eight years after uh, right. Joseph. Right. So who knows what medicine and what mm-hmm. medication yeah. and what things he saw that Joseph did not did see. Did get to see, yeah. Um, why do you think that? Do you think that it was important? I mean, with their relationship mm-hmm. and from what you've read, what they thought about each other. Um, why it was important for Essex to finish this brother to brother and to kind of, you know. What, do you, what, what, were your, what are your observations about that? You know, I think that it was important because it, um, to me, it kind of was just a true testament of, like, friendship. Yeah. 
And remember, Joseph had already done In the Life. Yes. So he had done an anthology. Right. And I also think that one of the most one of the most powerful things about Essis is that he knew his demise was coming. He knew that these people were dying. He knew that they were talented. He had kind of come to terms with his fate. Yeah. And I think that he within himself knew that by coming to terms with his fate, let's get it out there. Yes. And that's that's why I think he did. He I didn't think he didn't lose at that point. You right. Know, right. Right. And I do think that because I keep going back to where, how you started out, I believe that it was kind of with the intent of when we are dead. What are these kids going to have? What are these kids going to have? And he mentions that there is yeah. a line where he basically said in the intro that um, that he wanted to. Uh, you could read. For, yeah. I, he wanted to. It, he wanted it to be uh, like a book. That he says, for what other reasons would so many black gay men take on the task? If there is to be evidence of our experience, we learn by the close of the 1980s that our own self-sufficiency must ensure it. So that future generations of black gay men will have references for their desires. Mm. So that's why he did it. Yeah. He wanted me and anyone else because love is love. It is. And desire is desire. And you come f- to any book from your own perspective. So if you have the capabilities or the possibilities or the imagination to remove if, if Dick ain't your thing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fill in the blank. Fill in the blank, yeah. And when you fill in the blank, you read or you take in that, damn, this is a beautiful story. And I believe that that's, even though it was a book for me, with intent for me, like the beautiful thing and one of the most touching things is that I feel like in 1990, he was saying that in 2020, there's going to be a 30 year old black boy with desires reading this book. So that's incredible because most times the authors don't have the black gay person in mind. That alone, I mean, usually the black person, unless it's a black mm-hmm. writer. And many black and you don't have don't that have, from again. You don't have that from Langston and you don't in in James. Bond. Right, you don't. And I think that that was that's also been incredible to yeah. just have a, a yeah. book that you feel like was written for you. And I yeah. think that that's really what he was doing for Joseph's sake. He was trying to let the um, let the people just have um, have let 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 boys and girls have something to read. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I felt like. I felt like that was the the case as well. I wanted to hear. So how is it? How do you feel like you as a writer? Because you're a writer. Yeah. Are the you know are is Essex like the person that you know you because you, you brought them up as somebody that doesn't get any shine? But who like how how has this affected your writing and your process and how these people like you said like this is like your Bible or a Bible? Yeah. How do you how have these men? And James Baldwin included, like, affected your writing and, and your process or all the people that have come before you? Like, what have they given you besides, you know, like a blueprint to feel comfortable, but what else as far as creativity and stuff like that? Well, first of all, I mean, because I am a writer, but I'm also a reader yeah. and a learner. Yeah. I'm constantly learning. So just as much as I consider myself a writer, I'm just a searcher. Yeah. I love literature. Yeah. I love reading I mean, I actually plan books 
months ahead. I get so excited when I have a new book. I, I just can't even contain myself most times mm-hmm. of just the excitement of what I feel. So really, they they feel they really feel in the space within yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Now they are also they humbled me too though. And that's just me as a writer. I have to get over that. But I read their writing and I think, oh, can I do it? Mm-hmm. Can I make someone feel like they made, they made me. me feel? Right. And that's crippling in a way because mm-hmm. I don't think you should be writing with the intent of making anyone feel. Right. If they feel, they feel. Yeah. That's just, that should be the ultimate goal. But when I read them, they, because they were all men who were didactic and spiritual, they make you want to get a pulpit. Yeah. They make you want to be preachy. Yeah. And me, I read reading that. I was like, yeah, you know, especially yes. Essex, like, and then yes. hearing him speak it. Yeah. It made me. Right. Feel but everybody way. ain't called to preach. That's true. <laughs> and Lord knows you can, <laughs> you know, when a fraudulent preacher is in front hey, of you. you, you yes, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I am constantly like aware that I can't be them. Mm-hmm. I can be my version of them. Right. But I can't be Essence Hemphill. Yeah. I cannot okay. be Joseph Bean. I can't be uh, Marlon Riggs. I can't be Langston Hughes. And I damn sure can't be Jimmy Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ever. But they have helped me feel in the space. They, they're they like just fertilizer. Yeah. I feel as if I, great I read them and my soil is fertilized. That could be the pun too. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. And I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, but, but yeah, but in, uh, but that's what it's for. It's to, yeah, that I mean, to that's what, especially what Essex was doing. And um, I also feel like they're like they are. They are. Uh, it's something about this that makes me also think of gospel music. Mm. Yes, it's something about this, like Tombs of Sorrow. Yeah, you, you, you can read from that if you want. I thought that Tombs of Sorrow was. Um, was a great one. And Tombs of Sorrow is the one that I remember the most by uh, by Essence. It's the one that I think um, out of all his poems that really touched me the most, this is the one that I believe um, is the most important. Mm-hmm. And I can remember vividly at 24 reading it and knowing that mm-hmm. um, that um, it was a just just a poem that I needed. Trying to find the page. Oh, yeah, 75. I was like, it's different in mine. Oh, really? <laughs> and I have it. <laughs> it's different in my uh, copy of Brother the Brother. For, for those that are unaware, we have two different copies of the same book. Yes, um, yours is better, but I'm not going to read to people. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I like your copy better than mine. Uh, there's a, there is a line where there's a poem, there's a part where he says uh, in part two, when I die, honey child, my angels will be tall black drag queens. Uh-huh. I will eat their stockings as they fling them into the blue shadows of dawn. I will suck their purple lips to anoint my mouth for the utterance of prayers. My witnesses will have to answer to go-go music. Dancing and sweat will be required at my funeral. Yeah. And again, how liberating is that? Yeah. Just to be able to turn that into... Cause what I also found incredible about all these guys and this type of writing and these stories were that they knew that the end was nigh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's hard to have the courage to keep going. Yeah. Knowing that you don't know the day. 
But based upon when and it you hit, don't feel good <laughs> and you don't feel good and you don't have medication mm-hmm. that just based upon when it hit yeah. to know that uh, it could be the end is nigh. Mm-hmm. I believe is incredible uh, that they were able to be funny. And that's also, I believe, one of the most incredible things about being queer and black is just as much as there is there is sadness. There is also there. You have to be incredibly funny. You have to be funny. You have to see the beauty in it. You have to be able to find the funny, even in the pain. And I feel like... Bring everybody else joy. I'm sure in your family. Performative. Performative. (laughs) For like, keep everybody laughing and keeping everybody's spirits up. And and that, to me, I can relate to that in the sense that, yeah, I feel like that's been like the role of, um, you know, uh, especially with uh, black men that are gay is, is... the also like he he even wrote about that about you know uh i think i don't think it was joseph that wrote that about like we're the hairdressers we're the yes all the different roles yes that you guys play and i mean playing you know our lives and in the community yeah except the except the one and now i mean it's except you know except the the one now that it's kind of becoming okay but still kind of you know but with certain groups mainstream acceptance is, is it's getting there you know it not, is and i uh or what does he say oh sorry i believe that another thing that i thought was interesting was at the end of tombs of sorrow he says at the end of the day through some other vision perhaps the consequence of growing firm and older i see the thorns of the rose are not my enemy Mm. I strive to see this in each of us, oh, ancient petals or recent blooms. Mm. And who, I could cry. I yeah. could really cry now. I could cry now thinking about what that meant to me and what it still means to me. Of how, because in that sense, and you come from a biblical and a church background, in that sense, he was literally redoing the narrative of what a thorn is. Mm. Literally redoing the narrative well, of what, what a thorn, thorn is. is. Yeah. I mean, he was telling you that the thorn is not your enemy. Yeah. It's a part and of- we're taught, depending upon what you believe, and if you're Christian or you're Baptist or you're Pentecostal, one of the most brutal parts about the crucifixion is they say that they put a thorny thorn, crown thorn, on his thorn, head. Yeah. To humiliate him. To humiliate and for pain's sake. So for essence to know that to be telling the people or within his own heart and know that it's not your enemy no. that's there's beauty to that yeah there's really beauty in being good. able to uh uh of even get to that place of truth where you can you can love yourself and know enough to know that it's not and it made me kind of think of um of a you know there's a gospel song i think her name is angela spivy and she said and it's called these thorns and it says, there are thorns in my flesh I can't seem to overcome. Mm. There are thorns that, I, that keep on hindering me. Mm. But I realize I want to be who you called me to be. And then she says, so I'm begging you, Lord, to please remove these thorns. So I believe that from a biblical standpoint, you have this belief that to remove the thorn. It'll make you perfect. That purity, that perfect. purity, that emphasis on purity. But then you have this gay black man with A's on the horizon saying, "Don't remove." No, it's no. not your enemy. No, yeah, <laughs> incredible. That's, yeah, yeah, it's a really, yeah, it's that's really incredible. I don't. I am so happy that I have this now, and 
I have it to look back on now and to kind of like delve into, um, like to kind of look back on as my reference now. Yes. Um, did you, uh, as a like, as a black woman, how did, how did it make you feel? You know, I think that, and I'm glad you asked me that. Yeah, because I'm interested. I know. I mean, I can personally tell I, you. <laughs> I feel I have felt a sense of burden and a sense of responsibility to really be almost like protective of gay black men, mm-hmm. black trans women, black trans men, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that community because I, I feel like, you know, even on social media, I just feel like it is going forward now. Mm-hmm knowing where I come from, if I, if, if I have to be on the neck of everybody about getting respect <laughs> at my own folks, yeah, on their necks about it, <laughs> about, on my, about my own folks, yes. that is the one thing that I would like to see um, us really integrate and come together on, even like right now, you mm-hmm. know? And it's, it's, it's very important to me because I feel like, I just feel like not a lot of us, especially, I won't say especially like all black women, but I feel like, you know, uh, as a community, we just need, we need to do better. Mm-hmm. And I felt that way for a long time. And I feel like I haven't been vocal enough about it. Mm-hmm. And like reading that poem by Essex, it was like he wrote it in a way where I could feel the emotion behind it and feel that, that pain of what mm-hmm. that's like. And thinking to myself, well, damn, like if I, I don't, I don't know what it's like to carry that, mm-hmm. but it is not fair mm-hmm. and it's something and it's silly the attitudes that we still have about you know how religion we've let religion kind of get in the way with loving loving each other and protecting each other the mm-hmm. way we should and our belief systems and our issues with masculinity and and it's not all our fault mm-hmm. i know colonialism and all these other things have you know has to play in that but i think that the tide needs to turn you know i'm from i'm from south Texas and I know, you know, recently there have been all over the United States have been like murders, like, mm-hmm. you know, black trans women and stuff like that. I just but I feel like, you know, I don't know why there isn't a more of an outrage because I feel like they're black bodies too. Right. I think that you hit I think you hit it on the head, this idea that I believe that it's it's religion. Uh, I believe it's religion that is the chasm of why everybody is not upset. Mm-hmm. I believe that is, that's what I think that mm-hmm. SS meant in the intro when he said uh, loneliness and, and talking about how you have to unarm it. And I think that the truth is religion teaches us that there is light and there is dark, but they, it's a, they, don't, mute, they don't put them together enough. No. You can't have both. There's no duality. Yeah. One you got to accept and yeah. one you got to pray yes. against. Yes, no duality. Yeah. There's no duality. Yeah. And because of that, it makes it to where when people get caught doing dark things, yeah. it makes it that based upon what they were caught doing is how you respond. Because mm-hmm. you will literally have a man who was abusive fall ill. And may get more attention than a good black queen. Yes. 
who was loyal and your friend. Yeah. Did your hair. Did your hair. Directed all the songs in the choir. Yeah. That's a, that's also what's incredibly sad to me about right. the church is that I don't I don't know <laughs> a black church that is rocking in the spirit and a gay man is not somewhere in the mix. Exactly. And how incredible that is that these men who sing to you what a friend we have in Jesus, mm-hmm. all our sins and grieves to bear. The power of that, to have a person can tell you that blessed assurance mm-hmm. and that his eyes on the sparrow and all those beautiful songs that keep you, yeah. keep, they keep you. To have all of that, but also kind of have accepted that there is this invisibility to this gay man or this man, because you're not even acknowledging that he's gay, that you would never see. Yeah. Because the Bible says so. Yeah. You can't go without, go, yeah, go outside the bounds of that. And, and I mean, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a conversation that hasn't been had before, but I feel like, you know, it's a conversation that needs to be, it, it obviously is a conversation that needs to be keep being had until we see some results. And um, that's part of the reason why. Um, and thank you for doing this. I think that uh, this is this is a start. I also believe, though, that black women and black people get a bad rep. Like, this idea that black people are more homophobic. Mm. But this idea that black mamas don't know how to love their gay sons. Mm. Now listen, there are black mamas who don't know how to love their gay son. Mm-hmm. I can attest to that. However, there are also black mothers who do love their gay children. Yes. And I believe that it's more who love their gay children than those that don't love their gay children. Yes. And I think that the older I get, the more I've learned how to have nuance to how people show you that they love you. That's important. 25-year-old me, 25-year-old yes. me would look back and say, this is what love is. This is how I want it. And if this is not what it is, it That's ain't love. That's not love. And yeah. the older I get, the more I learn. Now, self-betrayal, anything that betrays you or anything that, that does not accept you or does not make you feel good. I think it's Nina Simone that says you have to learn to get up from the table when love is no longer being served. Mm. Yeah. If it ain't about the collard greens, yeah. <laughs> get your ass up. Yeah. However, you also learn that I've learned that love, love comes in. People show you they love you sometimes in just actions. It's not always words. Oh, yeah. Like I can definitely remember. It's one of those things as growing up as a person of color. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you do something. Your, your mom may yell at you or she may realize she was, you know, out of pocket or wrong. Right. And then, you know, she's not going to tell you, I'm sorry. She's be like, well, you want to go to the store? You want something to eat? Correct. That's exactly what's going <laughs> to, she's going to offer you something <laughs> as if, you know, like, well, come on, you know, that's, that's how that works. And yeah, people show their, and, and also, yeah, I think that we do need to extend a little grace to our elders, we do. to, you know, our community. And I've been learning that myself just because, you know, they, they did the best that they could with what they had. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yes. how their parents grew up. Right. You know, and I, I think that we do need to. And grace that. is a, grace is different than self betrayal. Yes. I'm not saying take anything. There are people in my life who I had to let go, yeah. and there were people 
who I am very close with. And I let the people go because I knew that they do not within them have the capabilities or the will to love me the way I want to be loved. Right. And that's a battle. That's not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. But the moment that I recognized that it was up to me to make that decision, I then was also had to recognize that. Now, notice the people that are loving you. And sometimes it is not always love isn't love isn't always what you think. It doesn't always come at you the way that you think it does. Love could be someone asking every day, how you doing? I've had moments in my 20s where love was people showing up for me. Mm -hmm. And even if they never said, oh, I love you as a black queer man, Mm -hmm. just that they showed up every time. Yeah. Let me know that they love me. Yes. Yeah. That that was, oh, I love you, Oko. Mm -hmm. A whole lot. I think that sometimes we give cheap, we give a lot of love is is a cheap thing people people can say i love you and and have a belt in their hand mm-hmm. or bible or bible i mean i have had people <laughs> was telling me horrible things and they were like oh but i love you and i'm thinking no you don't no you don't <laughs> you don't love me i mean you telling me this horrible scripture right telling me that jesus is not pleased no you actually don't love me and when you or when I learned how to accept that, when I learned that, oh, this person actually is not being loving, it did force me to have to recognize that there are other people who show you. You show. And I try to make it my business that talk is cheap. I want I, I, I aim at being the friend or the person that people say, oh, Oko loves me. You showed up for me. Yeah. I showed up for and me. That's more important. When I was down, when I didn't have anything, when I... And that's what I found myself really doing in this COVID. Mm-hmm. It's just trying my best to like show up. Because mm-hmm. we all need it. Yeah. We all need it. Even I, people you don't agree with. Even if they show up. And I find that too. Some of the people you are most at odds with on the things that you feel passionate about. Correct. Will be the people that show up. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Are you short on money? You know, I feel mm-hmm. like that over the years it's been sometimes those people. And you're, you're right. Definitely right about that. Um, I come from grandmothers who... But they also are just smart. I mean, they're just wise black women who I love so much. I mean, love them so much. And I love them because they talk a lot, <laughs> but they are also about that life. Yeah. They show me with actions. Yes. I have grandmothers who, when I said I was gay, one of them said, I love you. Yeah. I love you more. And they know. <laughs> and they know. I have, well, I have had them both say that. Oh, we know, honey. We knew all the while. We know, baby. We knew when you was in there watching the young and the restless, restless. and not going outside. <laughs> exactly. We exactly. Knew we, knew. Was. <laughs> we knew you didn't like football when you was trying to see what Oprah was talking about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on the day at yeah. 4 o'clock. Right. Because I was that kid. Yeah. I was the kid who I didn't care about outside. Oh, I used to watch the soaps too, but I used to stay at home. I was with my granny. Oh, like, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I, I was obsessed with television. Yeah, me too. And so I was the kid that looked at a lot of... Mm-hmm. Um, Oprah and and any of that. So I I come from women who have shown me what love is. Yes. Not yes. all of them, but the core is there and that's yeah. what's important. Yeah. That's another thing that age has kind of taught me is that mm-hmm. if you get a core of people that love you, 
you realize that those that don't, it's their loss. It is. It is. And I didn't think I would ever get to that point. You couldn't have told me that five years ago. I thought that there were just certain people that I needed their love. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I would get to the point where I recognized that, okay, your love is not enough. Okay. It's people I still. I'm still. Hey, look, I'm still. I'm working on it. Me too. Just, you Me know too. What I mean, I'm working on it. I've like, yet to say names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I am working. There are still. I have yet to say. There are a lot of things that I have not said in this podcast because I I am working on it. And there are things that I believe that, and I'm sure you feel like this. There's just some things that are just worth just figuring out a little more. Yeah. And but I can say that. Even in figuring some other things out and and whatnot, I have recognized that I am a recipient of just true love. Yes. And Lord, I am thankful. Me too. I am thankful because this 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 life could be a lot different. My father, and that's another thing that I believe people don't really. I mean, this idea that black men, black fathers, don't know how to love their queer children—it's not true. No. My dad is incredible. He knows, he knows mm-hmm. exactly how to love. We have the honest conversations. Mm-hmm. We talk about things. I can sometimes go so far. He said, okay, now I am your daddy. Please. <laughs> but that's like what he would do if yeah. you, you know what I mean? If yeah. you had a girl, he don't want to hear that either. Yeah. 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 And I love that. I mean, yeah. and I love to be able to have that relationship. So I do think that, uh, that it's worth saying Thank you to the parents and to the ch- and, and just to the community that mm-hmm. love their children. Mm-hmm. We're different culturally. We are right. different culturally, and I feel like, and also just to be said that you know, white people handle conflict sometimes differently, and those kind of family mm-hmm. dynamics are different. You know, mm-hmm. um, and th- that's okay. Yes, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right. You know, I just feel like maybe we're just a little bit more open and out there and more vocal about some things. Maybe they are. I mean, there's just differences. I don't know. But And I think that there are things that we, there are just cultural things that we do that I believe. Uh, it could be toxic. Are to- toxic. Yeah, I a was, little toxic. As you see, I'm still <laughs> trying to find my words. <laughs> <laughs> some things we do still, little toxic, like, but... still trying to like do i want to call the people what they really are yeah uh, but toxic is what it is i mean i think that we can there are things that we definitely in the community can do that are toxic where you just say why are we doing that yeah. why are we doing, doing that? that yeah like this idea that the gay person you have a you you can literally be at a family reunion, and just based upon who they think you are, the cousin that is the exact age as you, just straight, will get asked questions that you never asked. Yes. You got any girls? Mm-hmm. Where you where your little friend at? Where your friend? Yeah. You got children? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got some insurance? Yeah. And then they look at you and say, oh, "How's hey, your job? How's your job? How's your job? But you got a good job. How LA?" <laughs> How California. Exactly. You seen the movie stars? <laughs> exactly. You met in the movie stars? Have you seen Taraji P. Henson? I love cookie. Yeah, exactly. I love cookie. <laughs> it's so true. And then you think, I'm not, this is, I don't give a shit about talking about cookie. You want to talk about, don't talk, talk about my personal Ask life me. and how I'm doing it. Ask if me, I'm, have you know, I been in love? Love, have you been in love? Yeah. yeah. And uh, that that is a question that, just as much as I say, ask me, there are times where 
I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, that, exactly. You don't want to talk about well, it. Well, nobody there. And, yeah, exactly. and, <laughs> and I didn't have nobody. So I could give them a, uh, just a whole list of men's yeah. with 20 S's under the end. A lot. Yeah, a lot. So uh, I do think that just as much as I say that, everything kind of happens when it's supposed to, to happen. Right. And if you're private, you're private. Like there, I've kind of lived this life that I'm open with friends, but I'm open with the agency that I want to be open. I also mm. am private. Yes. I tell what I want to tell. Yeah. There are also a lot of things that I do not tell. And it's not that it's a secret because I try not to do secret shit. Yeah. It's just not a secret. It's just private to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I may off the off just in banner be funny about it or say something funny, but I, I, I do understand that you there have to is keep a thing. some things for yourself. Yes, though. you do. And I'm that, I'm that type of person that when it's the right time, I talk. Mm-hmm. But there's just some people just because they're so temporary, it ain't worth talking about. No, you're right. There's some belief systems because they're so fleeting, it, it, it's not even worth even giving voice to it. Yes. Or then you would find that people would think that you're just flat out crazy because you would be the exact opposite of what you were or with the exact or different person when you see them again. Mm-hmm. So there have I've had to learn that privacy sometimes was just privacy because it was right. a temporary thing or it was a temporary belief or whatnot. Right. And that's what I also, one thing about this book that I got was that these were men who, and I believe, I, I don't know if you remember it, someone in, in here, Essis, kind of talked about how lonely Joseph was. Mm-hmm. And this is the man who said you know, on paper that black men loving black men was a revolutionary act. Mm-hmm. So you would think that the person who knew that to love a black man and that it was revolutionary, you would think that that person mm-hmm. had it. Had it. And in his you, life. Then you learn, the older I get, the more I learn that you can write truths that you do not live. Yes. That is 100% true. I've, I've had moments like that in my life where I could say that love is where you find it and that it's beautiful. And there have been times romantically that it's lacked in my life. Yes. Not from a communal, not from a family, not from a friendship standpoint, but I recently just kind of had a thought where... I don't know, and I don't know why I thought this, and why I still kind of think this because I don't. I'm not dating anyone, uh, but I kind of had a thought where it was like, you know what? I'm 30. Mm-hmm. I don't have nobody. Now I'm not saying I don't. I see people, but I don't have nobody, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe it's just not men. Mm-hmm. I've had that too. I just turned 35, so I told yeah. you that. Yeah, same. And I think that that's interesting, just to even have the and I in that moment there was a part of me that was okay with it. Yeah. I remember thinking to myself just internally, the internal dialogue of hearing that mm-hmm. maybe the person is not, maybe I'm just supposed to be Oko. Yeah. Singular. <laughs> exactly. Oko. Yeah. You and, have those thoughts. And I was okay with it in that moment. And then you read a good story or you mm-hmm. read commitments and you realize, I don't want to be the one with just nobody on the picture frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quick. Yes. Before we, I mean, I don't know how much, but I wanted to say one of the reasons why I reached out to you specifically. Mm-hmm. Was because I love the fact when I'm when I like look at you on social media, yeah. you are always at some you're always showing up at events where there's black art. Yes, there are black artists like you are very supportive and immersed in what our folks are doing right. in the creative community. And what I would like to know, and what I would like for you to tell everyone, mm-hmm. like we we kind of want we want to be a podcast that gives people good homework. Right. So if someone's in LA or 
if someone is, you know, looking for things to read, what would you, what's Oko's thing? Where would you send people after listening to this to, to like do more research, to read some mm-hmm. things you think they would enjoy art? books, whatever you feel like, whatever you're interested in right now, you know. You know what? I was seeing them, oh God, that's a good question. Hmm. I would send them art-wise, especially if you're here in LA, now COVID yes. have changed things. <laughs> so my social You might have to do is, a Zoom gallery. Yeah. Uh, which, which is all happening. Yeah. Which is all happening. I would send them to Curate LA. Okay. Oh, uh, you can go to their website. Curate LA. And they have all the current art shows, even in this Zoom area. Of that we're in, they have all the shows. Mm-hmm. Look at it, and now that it is Zoom, people, listeners that are not here in LA can zoom in. Oh, nice! So I would say curate LA. Um, they are they're good. I love black art personally. Yes, I love black art. I mean, there have been days when I couldn't write a sentence, but I did know that Mark Bradford had a show. I love or him. Carrie James Marshall had a show, or yes. Betty Sarr, who yes. is the queen. Yes. Uh. I knew that she had a show and everything that I needed, I got. Yeah. So for me, uh, I say Curate LA because they allow you to, they kind of show you, you can look at the pictures of what the show is about and hey, if it's black, if it's a little black, click on it. Yeah. If something is just a little too lilies of the field, I know it ain't for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I just keep it moving. I just keep it moving. Uh, and that's no, no dig. To those artists, yeah. but I have a certain art that I'm looking for, and I've learned like, that there yeah. is also freedom in that because all of my friends, who m- many of them are painters and and all of them are some form of like artists, they know what I like. I get more referrals from people, and it's like I never even told you, but you knew that I liked it. Yeah. So it's interesting that you even confirm that just based upon how you live, people learn who you are. Exactly, and yeah. I am happy to even know right. that people. I'm synonymous with black art. Yeah. Because in my head, that's I, I, I'm not too many times thinking of how other people look at me. Yeah. I'm just not. Just yeah, I'm just kind of living Enjoying it. the things really that you want to see. Uh, so, and, and I'm like looking, I was like, where was he at? Yes, yes. I, I want to go to this. Yes. Like, you know. So, so. for that, I will say that. Oh, say Curate LA. I will also say that uh, I do a lot of reading on good old black Twitter. Yes. I have some, and I'm glad you mentioned this. There are also uh, black writers today, though, gay writers that are all out there. You have uh, Michael Arsenault, you have Darnell Moore, you have uh, George, I can't think of George's last name, who has a new book. We're kind of in. Yes. So I go on black Twitter and one article leads me to the next. That leads me to the next. Uh, This week, it's been... A cesspool on Black Twitter because good old Kamala's in the yeah in the running. <laughs> everybody's fighting every, on that side uh, of the room and everybody's not getting along right now. But it is you know. not fun. Uh, as <laughs> someone who is very happy that Kamala's in the race, um, I've had some debates with some friends. There's there's a definitely there's a, a rift. I'm I well, listen. We got to get this sloppy jalopy across the finish line okay so we do <laughs> no matter who's we do. no matter who's in the seat we gotta like band together i mean obviously nobody's really ending up with who probably they originally wanted right so i've had to you know and i want to i guess i should share this really quickly and and say that what made me shut my mouth about or be like ah, Kamala, mm-hmm. was that one of the uh 
young men that had been in jail and he was like, she signed my um, denial for my appeal. He was like, but I'm still voting for her because yeah. we need to stop the bleeding. I was like, oh, I shouldn't have anything to say now. I need to shut up. Well, you know shut what? Up and vote. I, and that was the end of it. Yes, <laughs> that was I, the end of it. When somebody that can say that we need yes. to get out of triage, we're in triage right now, you know, with this country right now. And he's even like, you know, yes, he was like, so let's, let's just give it Let's just all band together right now. Well, you know, that's some of my, um, that's some of my, well, first of all, I, uh, I like Kamala, mm -hmm. but I'm also progressive some days. I'm also very black and Southern. I'm pragmatic. Yeah. And I yeah. also listen to- Take what you can yes, get. I, you, I you, it's never going to be I, perfect. Yes. Yet. And I believe that there's a difference between politicians and activists. Yes. And I think the quicker that we recognize that, yeah. that's not me saying with a pessimism that yeah. activists will not one day leave. They will leave. Mm -hmm. But that's also me saying that right now, not there now. is a difference between it. But I have had debates with people because I agree with that. My thing is, because black people and black women are going to show up for Kamala. So many of these women and men, like all of us, have been affected by the mass incarceration of the prison yes. system. And it, which, it's, hot. it's a hot topic right, right and now. And if we are looking beyond it, yeah. then why can't you? And when I say you, I don't mean white people. I just mean anyone. And I do want to be careful when I say that because I'm not saying that people should look beyond. It's something about that sounds very bossy. I can't tell a person what to look beyond. I'm just saying that it's in my head. It's, listen, we can people. hold people accountable, but still support them and encourage them. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, I didn't like what you did, or I don't like this, but I'm still exactly. with you because we need you Correct. to do this for us. We know that you know what I mean. You're the best Correct. person to do this. Correct. So at for, this junk, you know, where we're at. Right. So for me, that uh, black Twitter, uh, with the exception of this week. So I'll say, if, if anybody <laughs> listening, go to black Twitter two weeks from now. Yeah, exactly. Because they're fighting. And, yes, and I don't know yes. when it's, and when you go to white Twitter, they fighting about it too. It's yes. like, who can I turn to? Exactly. To quote Escape, the music group. <laughs> right. Uh, I just don't, you don't know. But um, I would say, I, was, I would say black Twitter and I will also just say, where else do I turn for like creativity? I also do a lot of just reading. I'm a book lover. Mm-hmm. And that's all. You, and, and, and it could be just word of mouth. It could be conversation. Also podcasts. During this Rona, mm -hmm. podcasts have really helped me. Yeah. From The Read. The Read is good. Love The Read. Love Fury. Love Crystal. Oh, I love Fury. Uh, I think they are hilarious. Yes. Uh, I think that what they do is what they do. And I think that a lot, it's a lot of people wanting to be Fury and yes. Crystal. Of course. I, yeah. A lot of podcasts have helped me out these months. They've been yeah. very creative and... And I think that's about it. It's just, a, I, I just kind of have my eye, my ear. Ear to the street. To the street. Same thing. Especially Me here too. in LA. Like we were, we were really on like the cusp, I feel, of just good black art, like underground, which yes. is right down the road. Um, yeah. Uh, you have um, art in practice. Uh, you have. You've been to Elmo's or what's it? I don't know what it's called. It's Elmo's. Where is it at? In Mid City. I don't know if it's Elmo's. It's like a artist commune, black artist commune. I don't know. Maybe I'll find out. Find out. Uh, uh, so I think that for St. me, St. Elmo's place. I have not. I have not. Yeah, I've I've always wanted to go there. And I have been to the Reparations Club. Oh, okay. Which is just right on. Uh, is it should be on uh, Washington. Is it open now? It's been open. Okay. Because I think you can kind of socially distance. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Well, you know what we'll do? We'll gather up. You let us know, and then we'll link it. That'd be good. The, we'll link and it. And then I'll have time to think about like the time to think about stuff to send where to send because people are gonna be interested in that. And yeah. like I said, all eyes are on us right now. So right. We, we I want to point people in the right direction or an interesting direction. Right. And some and we can link up some and, and some the, new authors because you know yeah. there's some writers like Eddie Glaude. Yeah. Has a uh, has a new book about uh, James Baldwin. Okay. Begin again. Okay. Uh, that's very popular. And Mark Lamont Hill. Okay. Who I like. He I has like a new podcast yeah. called Coffee and Books. Coffee and Books, yes. Love. Very yeah. similar to this. I think he's doing a great job with it. I actually yeah. listen weekly. Right. He had the woman last week robbing somebody who wrote White Fragility. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Who's getting paid $30,000 a session to oh, really? talk about diversity now oh really there was a but see that's the thing black twitter there's a there's a, a woman that a black woman is diversity she's like they're paying this white woman thirty thousand dollars to do diversity stuff or it's, diversity means and she was like and I, she's like I, she has our little classes and they're like 50 60 dollars like come to the source if you really want to which was kind of funny to me but i uh i know she's gotten a lot of criticism for that book i have not read it yet right. but i also feel like i'm glad someone besides us besides us wrote it you know what I mean? Right. But I'm kind of interested in... I want to read us talking about white fragility. Yes. Well, then there's that book, I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Mm, yes. I'm super interested in it. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff. There's yeah, a lot or, of things. Or how to... And then and I think it's another one called How to Be Anti-Racist. Yes, How to Be Anti-Racist. That one's very popular. I find yeah. it, though, that it's incredible because I read the New York Times every Sunday. And I get the paper. And I, I'm finding it that it's very nice to read every Sunday mm-hmm. of the New York Times bestseller list and they're just it's mm-hmm. all black people brown folk mm-hmm. who are on the bestseller list it's wonderful. and I think that all of that is because of George Floyd yes so even this moment that we're having one thing that I loved but what I love about it is that it's giving voice to the voiceless yes and you can't google Joseph Beam and find much no. I didn't even find a Wikipedia page for Joseph Beam and there is one now there is I think so I oh. believe so I looked at it earlier okay. but it's very small and I know Essence does have a Wikipedia yeah, page, yeah. so I uh, I like that we're doing this because if this pick up sales for brother to brother, then my job is complete with this yes, because yes. that's really my biggest goal is that I want someone to be able to, I want this book to be exactly like it's been for me, for somebody else, and that's what Essence intended it mm-hmm. for it to be for you to be able to see yourself. Yeah. I mean, for you to be for you to be able to have a witness and a voice and. Someone with who mirrored to you secret shit, because that's a that's that's a that's a good thing when you when you stumble upon literature that mirrors to you the stuff that you yes. have never told anyone. Yes. So many people are carrying so much shame and mm-hmm. whatnot, mm-hmm. and it's not because they've been deemed shameful. It's because I think the shame they think that it's isolated. Yes. Or that it's singular. Been, yeah. Or no one else has been through it, and that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. We've all have went through so, different avenues to find love. Yes, it's true. <laughs> um, so we'll link and put down your social media where people Please. can find you. Yes, and, on, and they yes, can also Instagram, follow Oko yes. around. They can not, literally follow him around. Don't y'all Don't follow him around, but just hi. just look at what he's looking yeah. at and. <laughs> And then um, we thank you for coming on today. We thank you for doing this. This was so much fun. Very nice. Thank you so much. And I mean, I hope we can do it again sometime. But yes, yeah, I appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to The Esoteric Negro. Please follow us on Instagram at The Esoteric Negro. For information and inquiries, please go to theesotericnegro.com where you'll find a link to our Patreon. And please like, share, and subscribe.